0: welcome everybody to the neurological deep dive podcast i am your host ferret fawns and today we are going to talk about the christian sabbath and who best to talk about that other than gospel dawn well gospel dawn take us away welcome everyone to the gospel hour with dawn and i want to say a big thank you to ferret fawns for featuring the Gospel Hour. Thank you, Ferret Fonts. appreciate it. This deep dive is about the Christian Sabbath. And I'm gonna ask basically two questions. Is it a moral obligation for us today? That's the first question. And the other one is, on what day should it be kept? The word Sabbath means rest. It means cessation. A Sabbath day, is a day of rest, or a day of cessation from labor, or cessation from ordinary work. In Noah Webster's dictionary, he gives a definition of the Sabbath, and I quote, it is the day which God appointed to be observed by the Jews as a day of rest from all secular labor or employment, and to be kept holy and consecrated to his service worship. This was originally the seventh day of the week, the day on which God rested from the work of creation. But the Christian Church very early begun and still continued to observe the first day of the week in commemoration of the resurrection of Christ on that day by which the work of redemption was completed. Hence it is often called the Lord's Day. End quote. That's from uh, Webster's Dictionary, the American Dictionary of the English Language, that was written in 1828. So, the Christian Sabbath is the Christian's day of rest from all secular work or employments. It is a day to be kept holy and dedicated to the worship and service of God. It is observed on the first day of the week, Sunday, in commem- commemoration. Of the resurrection of Christ, when the atonement necessary for our justification was completed. And you can read about that in Romans chapter 1, verse 25. So the Christian Sabbath is often or it is called the Lord's Day, and often by writers it's called the Lord's Day. And the word the Lord's Day is found in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10. The Christian Sabbath is much like the Jewish Sabbath, except they are observed on different days. The Jews in the Old Testament times observed their day of rest and worship on the last day of the week, which would be Saturday, and the Christians observe it on the first day of the week, which would be Sunday. Some professing Christians observe their day of rest on Saturday, but they're not really following apostolic tradition or the the ways of the early church. The Jewish Sabbath day memorialized both the rest of God after the 6 days of creation and Israel's deliverance from bondage to Egypt. Whereas the Christian Sabbath day memorial memorializes the deliverance from the bondage of sin through Christ's resurrection. Now let me read you some passages here that show that uh, the Jewish Sabbath day was a time to commemorate the rest of God after six days of creation. I'm reading now in Exodus chapter 31 and verse 17. It says this, It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. That's in Exodus thirty-one. Well, in Deuteronomy chapter five and verse fifteen, we read that it commemorated uh, the the Sabbath, commemorated the time of deliverance from bondage to Egypt. And I'm reading now Deuteronomy chapter five, verse fifteen. It says, "And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God." brought thee out thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. And so that's another verse that shows uh, the purpose for the Sabbath. Now, in the New Testament, we read about the resurrection of Christ. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, And beginning to read at verse 14, it says this, And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. And so again, <clears throat> again, the, uh, the Lord's Day is a time to commemorate the resurrection of Christ. And that was the grand theme of the apostles' preaching in the book of Acts. They often make reference to the resurrection of Christ. See, if there'd be no resurrection of Christ, then that means God would not have approved of the atoning sacrifice of Christ. So the resurrection was God's stamp of approval on the work that Christ did on the cross. So the first question that we're going to try to answer is this. Is Sabbath keeping a moral obligation for all people? I believe the answer is yes. I firmly believe keeping the Sabbath day holy, and by that word holy I mean set apart or sacred. By keeping the Sabbath day holy, um, it is morally required by divine law in this gospel dispensation. And if it is broken or broken on purpose, it will result in death to the soul. The Bible says in Ezekiel 18, verse 20, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says, verse 26, it says, if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment. And... um and it, and it goes on. So, and uh, yeah, judgment and fiery indignation. And that's what we're going to have to look forward to if we continue in sin, if we sin woefully and, and persist in that sin. So we, we need to stop sinning if we want to be right with God. And the word sin means transgression of the law. And it is part of the Ten Commandments that we keep the Ten uh, the, the the Sabbath day, that we keep it holy. Here's another verse. It says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. That means he stands guilty before God. And here's another verse. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. And that's in James chapter 2, verse 24. And in, in another verse in James, it says, Even so faith... If it hath not works, is dead being alone. So, we need to follow God's moral law if we want to stay right with God. So, following are some reasons I'm going to give for believing that all people in this church age or in this age of grace, this dispensation of grace, are morally bound to aim and endeavor to rest one day in seven. So, here's one reason for believing that. The Sabbath Sabbath keeping is morally binding because it is clearly commanded by God in the Ten Commandments. Here's the fourth of the Ten Ten Commandments. This is found in Exodus chapter 20, beginning to read at verse 8. It says this, quote, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. End quote. I want to make some observations on this fourth commandment. First, to keep a day holy or hallowed means to set it apart for sacred use. It is a day set apart from the other days of the week and dedicated to God in a special way. Now, all our days should be def- dedicated to God. But the Sabbath day should be dedicated to God in a special way. It should be a day set aside. Set apart is the idea. Here's another point, on uh, another comment on that verse, or on that passage, the fourth, uh, the fourth commandment. The Ten Commandments were given by an audible voice of God and heard by the Israelites. You can read about that in Exodus chapter 19, verse 9. And also Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 22 to 26. These commandments were twice written by the finger of God on two tables of stone. This signifies their durability and permanence. The other laws God gave to Moses, such as the ceremonial laws and the Jewish laws and and the judicial laws, They were not heard audibly by the people and they were not written in stone. But the Ten Commandments were written in stone. And they were written twice because Moses had broken the first time they were written because the people really broke the Ten Commandments when they worshipped the golden calf. So then God made them again and he engraved them with his own finger. So here's the third point. God is not advocating laziness. We ought to do our secular and and ordinary work on six days during the week. Notice he says, six days shalt thou labor. The work that is prohibited on the Sabbath day is our secular work. It's our customary work. The word secular means pertaining to this world. Or it means of a non-spiritual nature. Now all work should be done for the glory of God. But there is some kinds of work that we could call non-spiritual. Here's a fourth point. Heads of families and of businesses are required to uphold this law for those under their authority, such as their sons and daughters and their employees. According to this principle, all businesses, except necessary businesses, ought to shut down on the Lord's Day. We should not do our shopping and our banking on Sunday, in other words. And I'm going to read now in Nehemiah, in Nehemiah chapter 10 and verse 31. And it says this, And if the people of the land bring a or any victuals on the Sabbath day to sell, that we would not buy it of them on the Sabbath or on the holy day. And then it goes on. So it was part of Nehemiah's instructions, which were of God, to not do any unnecessary purchases on the Sabbath day. And that's found in Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 31. However, works of mercy, works of necessity, and works of religious service are permissible and lawful on the Sabbath day and you can read about that in Matthew chapter 12 also Mark chapter 2 beginning at verse 23 and into uh, chapter 3 also of Mark and if you look at that you'll find that it was permissible for them to pluck corn on the Sabbath day for immediate consumption so that they could eat because they had just come out out from a, a church service of some kind, a synagogue, and uh, they, were, they needed something to eat, so they were plucking corn and uh, eating it. And that was permissible, and Jesus was allowing that. Of course, the Pharisees condemned him and his disciples for doing that, but Jesus said that was okay. That's a work of necessity. And also, a work of mercy is okay because Jesus healed a man's hand on that day, and you can read about that in Mark chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. So, health care work is okay on the Sabbath day, or on on the Lord's day. Policing work is a necessary work. That is okay. Christian ministry, that's a necessary work on the Sabbath day. The priests would do a lot of work on on their Sabbath day, and that was fine, the Levitical priests I'm talking about. And that was fine and okay, and they did a lot of work on that day. And so these kinds of works were okay and proper to perform on the Sabbath day. Here's the next point, the next observation. Observing the Sabbath day rest points out to the public that there is a God. It also reminds people that God created the world in six days not millions of years. The Bible is correct. God created the whole world in six days. And so the Sabbath day observance brings to the mind of those who don't pay attention to God that there is a God. And that's a good reason why we ought to keep the Sabbath day. Here's another point on on that fourth commandment. The Jews who loved the Lord Jesus, quote, rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment, end quote. I read that from Luke chapter 23 verse twenty, verse uh, 56. Now that's interesting. These people love the Lord Jesus, but what did they do? They rested. They kept the Sabbath day according to the commandment. So Jesus's disciples right there, while, while they were walking with Jesus, kept the Sabbath. That tells us that The Sabbath is binding for everyone, for Jews as well as for the followers of Jesus. So it is morally binding. They kept the commandment, it says. Although the specific day has been altered since Christ's resurrection, the law and principle to rest once a week has not been altered. The mind and the body need rest. And that's why God instituted it. It was made for man. Here's another point on that fourth commandment. Christians who observe Sunday as their Sabbath day are literally, and to the letter, obeying the fourth commandment as it is made known in the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. This commandment does not require resting on Saturday, but only... Resting on the seventh day after the six days of secular or regular labor. That's literally what it's saying. its I'll read it, part of it again. It says, Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord. What is that seventh day? That's the seventh day after the six days of labor. That's the principle. So the principle is to rest one day in seven. That's the law. So here's another reason why we ought to keep the Sabbath day, that Christians ought to keep it. All people are morally bound to do the most good they wisely can do. For this reason, all are bound to observe the Lord's day or to rest one day in seven. There are many good and practical benefits to observing the Christian Sabbath or the Lord's day <clears throat> okay here's the first reason one or first good and practical benefit to observing the, the Lord's day number 1 it meets the need for god there would be very little knowledge of god and knowledge of his will if folks did not make time for church attendance or for Bible reading, or for fellowshipping with other Christians. The Bible says, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. See, we are commanded to understand what the will of the Lord is. So that's one good reason why we ought to rest one day in heaven. We need the knowledge of God. In Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, it says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Very, very few people know the true God as they ought to know. Of course, a lot of people think they know everything they need to know about God, but that is not the case. The Bible is quite a quite a long book, and uh, we need to be constantly reading it to, to know the knowledge of to have the knowledge of God. So here's another reason why it's so practical and so beneficial to observe the the, the Lord's Day. It meets a need for rest. The mind and body cannot always be on the strain and yet remain healthy. Sabbath keeping is necessary for a healthy soul and a healthy body. And when I say a healthy soul, I mean a healthy inner man, a healthy heart. Here's the third reason. It meets a need for refreshment. That is for relief and invigoration. We all need that. And it mentions that in Exodus chapter 23 and verse 12. It mentions that it's for invigor- invigoration. Now, I don't know if I have that right handy here. Yeah, here it is. Okay, it's in Exodus chapter 23 verse 12. And it says, Six days thou shalt do thy work. And on the seventh day thou shalt rest, that thine ox and thine ass may rest, and the son of, thine, of thy handmaid and the stranger may be refreshed. That word refreshed means to give new strength. It means to invigorate. So that's a good reason why we need to practice the the, um, the, the Lord's Day or the day of rest. Even the animals need to rest. You don't want to work your animals seven days a week. Here's uh, the fourth reason why it's so practical. It tends to make the gathering of believers and the gathering of families possible because they're off from work on Sunday. In other words, it strengthens churches and believers And it strengthens the family. This is practical. Notice how the family is falling apart in America? Well, people don't observe the Sabbath as much. We're losing the Sabbath, and that's why, of course, we are losing our country to tyrants. Number five. This day makes church attendance possible, which is vital for instructing the conscience and improving one's moral and spiritual life many skip church services on sunday because they're expected to work in other words they have a ready excuse to not show up in church because they'll say well i got to go work at the department store or i got to go wear, work at the hardware store or i got to deliver mail on sunday all these jobs All these businesses uh, should not be open on Sunday. Here's the sixth reason. It brings the existence and claims of God upon all people, even upon those who do not make good use of the Sabbath day. I already mentioned that. It's worth mentioning again. Number seven. It serves to protect those whose time is at the disposal of others. The poor and the needy. And the underprivileged are especially benefited by this commandment to rest once, one one day in seven days. Once a week, in other words. Now, see, the corporate bosses don't care because they get to rest any time they want, generally. And I mean the higher-ups. So they're enslaving us. And that leads to the next point. Profaning the Sabbath... In other words, treating the Sabbath day as a regular day leads many into bondage to corporate oppressors. Our society is more and more being controlled by tyrants, by scheming evildoers, by money-hungry corporate businessmen. Our Sabbath-breaking habits has led us into a form and degree of enslavement not previously known in the USA. And I believe that is very obvious. A lot of the, uh, the, the What's happening is, is the neglect of the Sabbath has, been, has brought Americans into bondage, into bondage to sin. And it has empowered the big corporations in a big way. And now the corporations are enslaving the people and bringing us into bondage. And many people don't realize this is happening. Well, what has caused it? Partly it's due to our abandoning of the Sabbath day rest. So it is our moral obligation to strictly observe the Sabbath day because Uh, Because doing so is conducive to the good of God, to the good of God's interests, I mean. It's conducive to the good of ourselves, our families, our culture. That's why. The Bible says, well-being will only result if we keep all of God's commandments always. And you can read about that in Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 29 the more we keep god's commandments the more we are promoting the interests of god the interests of ourselves and the interests of our fellow man the interests of our society our culture the interests of our family and this is well documented in in the scriptures that obedience to god's law in fact that's how we love you ever ask yourself how do i love this person well Find out what God's law is and follow it. And that's how you will love your fellow man. So here's another point why I believe it is morally binding to practice and observe the Lord's Day. Neither Jesus nor the apostles ever repealed our duty to rest one day in seven. They never repealed it. The Holy Sabbath is still in force today because it serves to meet man's need for rest and for worship. Jesus said, this quote, the Sabbath was made for man, end quote. That's found in Mark chapter 2, verse 27. This sanctified and special day was designed to promote the good of mankind by meeting our need to avoid unnecessary labor and to give special attention to God one day in seven. The bringing in of the New Testament scriptures or the New Testament covenant the New Covenant, and the doing away with the Old Testament ceremonial laws or doing away with the Old Covenant has not done away with our present need and obligation to rest our bodies and our minds and to worship God and to learn about God, both whether it be private, in private or publicly. It can only be the devil and his children who are behind the teaching that says, quote, Sabbath-keeping is not church law. I don't believe that is scriptural to teach that. I believe it's a doctrine of devils to say that Sabbath-keeping is not church law. Why? Because it does so much damage to so many people. If Jesus had abolished the law that requires a day of rest and worship, then he would have opposed the highest interests of himself His kingdom and all of the people he created, including the animals, because the animals need to rest too. Here's a fourth reason why I believe it's binding, morally binding. The day of rest was instituted and morally binding long before the Abrahamic and Mosaic covenants. And for this reason, it is morally binding today. You can read about it. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. The weekly day of sacred rest was instituted and consecrated by the Creator in the Garden of Eden and long before Abraham was born. Remember, Abraham is the father of the Jewish nation. The Jewish nation started with Abraham. Well, Abraham was born long after Adam and Eve and after Noah. So this institution called the Sabbath institution is as old as the institution of marriage. And even, actually it's even a little bit older than the institution of marriage. God blessed and sanctified the seventh day long before the Jewish race began. In Genesis 2 verse 3 we read that quote, God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. End quote. The reason God blessed and sanctified or set apart the seventh day is not because it is the seventh, but because in it he had rested from all his work which God created. Sabbath simply means rest or a time of rest or cessation. Why did God rest on the Sabbath day? God rested to serve as an example for all people to do the same. Not because he needed rest. God doesn't get tired. The Sabbath, it says, was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. And that's a quote from Mark chapter 2, verse 27. It is wrong, then, to insist that the Sabbath rest was binding only upon the Jews. For it is the entire human race that needs rest. Remember, the Sabbath was made for man, not merely for one portion or one small portion of mankind. And the Jewish race was a small portion of mankind, no doubt. So it was made for man, not just for the Jews. And it's good for all of us. And whether you're a Christian or not, it is wise always to rest one day in seven. Any degree of obedience to God's law will bless any person. Whether saved or unsaved, or whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, it doesn't matter. Obeying the principles of God's law will bring a degree of blessing. So we let's know also that the divine order law of the Sabbath was in existence in Exodus chapter 16, before the giving of the Ten Commandments, which was in Exodus chapter 20. So this day of rest is not a burden to the human race. I want to stress that. It's not a burden to rest one day in seven. It is a tremendous blessing. It is a gift that God has given to us. You know, we need to be commanded to do certain things that are good for us sometimes. Think of a little child. You know, you you as a parent may command him or her to go to bed at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock. Why? Because it's good for them. Now, they may not feel like doing that, but it's actually good for them. And sometimes we need to be commanded to do what is good for us. Because if we're not commanded, we're going to just go on our feelings and, and ignore God's law And guess what? We're going to pay a price because we ignore God's laws. So God is treating us the same way. He's commanding us to rest one day in seven. I'm quoting here from uh, A.W. Pink. And this is what he says. Quote, And if history demonstrates anything, it demonstrates beyond all room for doubt that the family or nation which has kept the Sabbath day holy has been markedly blessed of God and contrarywise, that the family or nation which has desecrated the Sabbath has been cursed of God. Do your research and look at history and you will see that that statement that he said is true. Why did God bless America? Well, because we followed the principles of Christianity to a great extent and that's why God blessed us. I remember times when you could not sell alcohol on Sunday. And I remember times when large department stores were not open on Sunday. And all kinds of, you would not find hardware stores open on Sunday. And those were, in a sense, we can say they were the good old days to a great extent. So here's this fifth reason why I believe it's required to obey the Sabbath. God saw this day of rest as so valuable and so good for mankind that he enforced it with the death penalty. Can you believe that? You you ought to read these passages in Exodus. I'm not going to read them. Exodus chapter 31 verse 14. Numbers chapter 15 verse 32 and and further. And Exodus. No, I'm sorry, not Exodus. uh, Ezekiel chapter 20 verse 13. These three places in the Bible, it's clearly taught that the uh, death penalty was the proper penalty for ignoring the Sabbath. Now, the greater the penalty for breaking a law implies the greater importance and value attached to that law. That's important. God calls for the death penalty for murder. Well, why? It's really important to not murder other people. Okay, so obeying truth and the moral law are very essential for remaining justified by faith in Christ. And that's why we ought to keep the Sabbath, because it is part of the moral law of God. And that statement I just made is supported by Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 23. And it says there in Matthew 7, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. You see, if we want to enter the kingdom of God, we've got to do God's will. And God's will is really God's law. It's to obey God's law. That that is God's will. So now let's ask another question, the second big question of this talk. Why should Christians observe the Sabbath on the first day of the week? Well, number one, the first day of the week is called the Lord's Day, and that's in Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, which makes it a sacred day, a special day. It is called the Lord's Day because this is when the day this is the day when Christ rose from the dead and you can read about that in Mark chapter 16 verse 9 Christ's bodily resurrection proved that his death was an acceptable sacrifice for our sins thus making possible our justification before God And you can read about that in Romans chapter 4, verse 24 and 25. As the Lord's Supper is designed to commemorate the death of Christ, so the Lord's Day is designed to commemorate the resurrection of Christ. See, that's why the Lord's Day is so important. It reminds people of the resurrection. So, here's another reason why we should observe the Christian Sabbath, on the first day of the week. Christ's example, by his repeated meetings with his disciples, and by his sending his Holy Spirit on Sunday, bears witness to the change of day from the last day of the week to the first day of the week. Also on Sunday, Jesus appeared to and conversed with two men on the way to Emmaus. And you can read about that in Luke 24. Chapter 24, and also, so, he, he, twice, Jesus, right after his resurrection, he showed himself to his disciples. And you can read about that in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 19, and look also at verse 26. There's twice there. Uh, the day, the week after, he showed himself to his disciples on the day of the resurrection, and also eight days later which would be the following Sabbath, or you could say the following uh, first day of the week. So here's another reason why, and this is a very, very big reason, why we should observe the Sabbath on the first day of the week. The early church observed the first day of the week, Sunday, as their day of rest. Let me read it. It's in Acts chapter 20, verse 7. This is probably the most important verse in all the Bible that will teach this, This the importance of observing the first day. Here it is, quote, And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight, end quote. That's in Acts chapter 20, verse 7. It seems the disciples of Christ had already been coming together prior to this incident, which tells us it was most likely already an established practice for Christians to meet together on the first day of the week. Here's another good verse. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1 and 2. Quote: Now concerning the collection of the saints. As I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. End quote. Note this. An order was given by apostolic authority. This order or this directive had to do with when the laying aside was to take place, which was upon the first day of the week, and how it was to be done, which is lay by him in store as God has prospered him. So the Sunday was the day that they were supposed to lay aside the goods and the the income that they had, whatever it was, and um, do that on the first day of the week. They were supposed to lay it by them in store. In other words, keep, put it in a place in the house or something like that. So that when Jesus, when, when Paul would come, he, he, they could just give it right to, him, to Paul. Because Paul was giving stuff and uh, giving financial help to other churches. And they were sending it through the Apostle Paul at times. Here's another quote from A.W. Pink. There is not a single recorded instance in the New Testament of the saints meeting together for worship after Christ's resurrection on any other day but on the first day of the week. End quote. That's from A.W. Pink and I believe that is accurate. Here's a quote from Erdman's handbook to the history of Christianity. Quote, Sunday, The Christian day of worship was observed from the very beginning of the Christian church. It was a radical departure from Judaism, which observed the Sabbath or the seventh day of the week. Sunday was not observed as a public holiday until the time of Augustine, and that was in the early 4th century around 312, 320 BC, around there. Until then, Christian meetings for worship were either early or late in the day, meaning on that set, on that first day of the week. So it became law for the land when Augustine became was emperor. That's when it became law. But it was an observance that was being practiced by the true Christians, by the by the Christians before that. That's an important thought there. A lot of people think that Constantine is the one that changed the Sabbath day. No, he didn't. He just codified it as law for the land. And the reason why is Christianity was growing and having a tremendous influence on the Western world and in the Western world. Here's number four. When Christ was nailed to the cross... The Jews' obligation to keep the Old Testament ceremonial laws was repealed. And you can read about that in Colossians chapter 2, beginning to read at verse 13 to the end. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, it says, The Sabbath days, along with the distinction of meats, Hebrew festivals, and observance of new moons, have been made non binding. These Jewish ordinances were but shadows pointing to the substance who is Christ Christ was the substance now the Sabbath days in Colossians chapter 2 verse 16 refer to the Jewish Sabbath days and most of them fell on the seventh day of the week but not all of them that's important and that's a technical thought here but uh, but it, it is important. You can read about this. Some of the Sabbaths of the Jews that the Jews observed did not fall on the seventh day of the week. Some of them followed in other places. And you can read about it in Leviticus chapter 16, verse 29 and 31. Leviticus 23, verse 3. Leviticus 23, verse 24, verse 27, verse 28 thirty two and thirty-nine. If you look at those for references, you'll see that some of these Sabbaths were not on the Sabbath, on the on the seventh day. These verses show that the first day of the seventh month, the tenth day of the seventh month, and the fifteenth day of the seventh month were Sabbath days. Now these Sabbaths were not seven days apart therefore at least at least one of them could not have fallen on saturday which was the weekly jewish sabbath day so yes the sabbath days the jewish sabbath days were done away with with the christ when christ came and um, but not the day of rest not the not the principle of resting one day in seven Here's a quote from Whedon's commentary. Quote, The Jewish aspects of the Sabbath are done away, but not the day itself as enjoined in the Decalogue, which was given not through the ministry of angels, but by the audible voice of God himself and which the Savior taught is for man universally. End quote. Here's another reason why we should Observe the Sabbath on Sunday. The Bible says, For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. You can read about that in Matthew chapter 12, verse 8. This implies that Jesus has the right to change the particular day of rest and worship from Saturday to Sunday, if he thinks it's best. Not, but, but Jesus does not really have the right to change the obligation to rest. And to devote special time to God on a weekly basis. I say he does not have the right because Jesus is subject to God's law. And so is God, even subject to his own law. That's why God is holy. That means God is subject to law. God does everything perfectly according to moral law as it exists in his mind. Not in our mind necessarily, in his mind. God always does what is right. It is important to know that the moral law is as unchanging and enduring as God is. The Bible says, charity never faileth. That means love to God and man as a virtue never ceases. And it never becomes extinct. That means it never ceases to be obligatory. The moral law, in other words, the duty to love, to which we are all bound, is fixed, it's unchanging, it's eternal. And you can read about that in quite a few places. But I'm just going to read a few verses in uh, Psalm uh, 119 and 142. It says this, Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and thy law is the truth. Verse 144. It says, The righteousness of thy testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding, and I shall live. Also, 153 in Psalm 119, it's uh, 152 rather, it says, Concerning thy testimonies, I have known of old that thou hast founded them forever. In other words, thou hast established them forever. And here's another one Thy, ro- thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. So God's moral law is unchanging. Number six, Christ met with John and spoke to him when he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. You read about that in Revelation chapter 1, verse 10 and 11. It was on this day, this resurrection day, this first day of the week, when John was in a higher than normal spiritual atmosphere and that Christ imparted the book of Revelation to him because it says he was in the Spirit. That means he was in a higher-than-normal spiritual atmosphere. Verse number, or should I say number seven. The new covenant seemingly required a new day of rest to signify the old covenant was annulled. You can read about that in Hebrews chapter 7 and chapter 8, chapter 9 and chapter 10 and chapter 12 of Hebrews. Eight, it was necessary for the Christians to separate from the Judaizers. That's another reason why the Christians observed the first day of the week. The Judaizers were Jewish professing Christians who were constantly trying to bring the church under obligation to keep some antiquated Old Testament ritual law, such as circumcision, the observance of Jewish holidays, abstaining from certain meats such as pork and things like that. These were all ceremonial laws that were binding on the Jewish race, the Jewish people, and uh, until Christ came. But when Christ came, Jesus did away with all that. And you can read about that in Acts chapter 10 and other places in the Bible. For the sake of the Gospel, Paul stood firmly against the influence of the Judaizers. You can read about that in Galatians chapter 2 and Galatians chapter 5. The first part of Galatians chapter 5. The apostles would often attend the synagogues on the Jewish Sabbath day in order to evangelize the Jews who met for worship on that day. You can read about that in Acts chapter 17 verse 1 to 4. This most likely made it difficult for the apostles to meet with the church on that day, and so they chose to meet on another day, the first day of the week. See, the Jews met on the last day of the week. The Christians met on the first day of the week. Paul was very busy on Saturday going into the synagogues because, remember, God told and Jesus told the apostles to go first to the Jews. They were to receive the first offers of salvation through Christ the Jews were and that's what Paul would do he'd go to the Jews to teach his doctrines that were given to him by Christ to the Jewish people a lot of times the Jewish people would reject it and then he would turn to the Gentiles so having different days of worship tended to separate the Christians from the unbelieving Jews or from the Judaizers which Was a good thing. Because the Bible does teach separation. So here's number nine. The testimonies. Or some testimonies still exist. Showing that Christians in the first three centuries. Before Constantine in 321 AD. Observed the Sabbath. On the first day of the week. So here's uh, one quote. This is from Justin Martyr. In his apology. Quote, on the day which is called Sunday, all, whether dwelling in the towns or in the villages, hold meetings, and the memoirs of the apostles and the writings of the prophets are read as much as time will permit, End quote. That's Justin Martyr. Here's Tertullian, who was a presbyter of the North African church, who was born about, 145 A.D. And he writes this, The Holy Spirit abrades the Jews for their holy days. Others suppose that the sun is the God of the Christians because it is a well-known fact that we pray toward the east or because we make Sunday a day of festivity. Who you reproach us with the sun and sunday should consider your own Uh, i'm sorry i i didn't read that right there i should have put a period after festivity and then he, he says this you who reproach us with the sun and sunday should consider your own proximity to us we are not far off from your saturn and your days of rest so see sunday it was just named that by the pagans. It's really the first day of the week. And of course, the pagans called the last day of the week Saturn Day. Or, you know. So uh, every day of the week was named after some false idol. Moon Day was Monday, and there's other days. So that's from Tertullian. So Tertullian admits that they worship God on Sunday. Here's something from Eusebius. I believe he was a very good, uh, or pretty good, historian. And he, he wrote this. And he was a historian during the first 300 years of the church, by the way. He wrote this, quote, All things, whatever that was duty to do on the Sabbath, these we have transferred to the Lord's Day, as more appropriately belonging to it, because it has a precedence. And is first in rank. And more honorable than the Jewish Sabbath. It is delivered to us that we should meet together on this day. End quote. And I got that from a book by A.W. Pink. Now I want to read. There are some other things here that have to do. I got this from another book. And I'm reading from a man whose name escapes me at the time. His name is Reverend Dake. And he published this book. When did he publish it? I'm not sure when he published it. doesn't quite say. Probably uh, copyright 1949. Okay, so a Reverend Dake uh, copied this, and he got it from good sources. I quote from his book, And this is actually a quote from the Encyclopedia Britannica. In 321 AD, Constantine made the Christian Sabbath Sunday, the rest day for the Roman Empire. But it was observed by Christians for nearly 300 years before it became a law by Constantine, end quote. That's from the Encyclopedia Britannica. Here's another quote from the New International encyclopedia. It says from for some time after the foundation of the Christian church the converts from Judaism still observed the Jewish Sabbath to a greater or lesser extent at first it would seem concurrently with the celebration of the first day but before the end of the apostolic period Sunday known as the Lord's Day, had thoroughly established itself as the special day to be sanctified or set apart by rest from secular labor and by public worship. The hallowing of Sunday appears incontestably as a definite law in the church by the beginning of the 4th century. And the Emperor Constantine confirmed the custom by a law of the state. And so that's from some encyclopedias. Now here is a quote from Ignatius, Bishop of Antioch, who lived at the time of, during the time of the apostles. Actually, he died apparently one hundred seven. And it says he wrote this, and after the observance of the Sabbath, that the Jews kept. Let every friend of Christ keep the Lord's Day as a festival, the Resurrection Day, the Queen and Chief of all days of the week. End quote. That was Ignatius, the Bishop of Antioch. I already quoted Justin Martyr, I quoted Tertullian. Here's another one uh, Irenaeus. And he died in 178 A.D. And he said Pentecost fell on the first day of the week and was therefore associated with the Lord's Day. Clement of Alexandria said this, and he died in 174 A.D. He said, quote, The old seventh day has become nothing more than a working day. End quote. Origen, who died about the year 200, who was a professing Christian, probably not a very faithful one, but he was a Christian, He and he said this, it is is one of the marks of a perfect Christian to keep the Lord's Day. That's Origen. He died in the year 200. So the early church had the custom of observing the, the first day of the week as the Christian Sabbath, And we ought to do the same. Now, here's another point. Christians are to adhere to the apostles' doctrines and to follow the apostles' traditions. Well, one of the traditions of the apostles was to meet on the first day of the week. And we ought to follow the the apostles' traditions. I'm not saying the traditions of the church fathers necessarily. Only, well, the real church fathers would be the apostles. Matthew, Mark, Luke... John, Peter, Paul, these are the church fathers and these are the ones we ought to adhere to. They're the faithful church fathers. And the other ones that came afterward are not to be followed as closely as the apostles. So it was the tradition of the apostles and of the early church to meet for worship on Sunday. And I already gave these two references, but they're important. Acts chapter 20 verse 7 and 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 1 and 2. Here's another point. God has put his stamp of approval on this day by blessing all nations and all societies that have observed the Christian Sabbath. Very little Christian work would get done if we would not observe the Lord's Day. In the past 2,000 years, no nation has been more blessed and prosperous than those nations which have observed this divine law. I quote again from A.W. Pink, It is highly probable that more persons are converted to the Lord on that day than all the other six days together. Godliness has never flourished in the world from its foundation till now, nor will it ever do so without a due attendance upon this divine ordinance. And it requires very little perspicuity to foresee what increasing disorder and disaster will yet ensue if it be totally disregarded. A right observance of the Lord's Day lies at the foundation of national happiness and prosperity. So profil- prolific of good is this blessed day that its powerful influences on the well-being of our country vitally affects its spiritual intelligence, the morality of its social order, and the liberties of its people. End quote. That's from A.W. Pink in a book that he wrote called The Holy Sabbath. I end with these great verses from the Bible. One of them is Isaiah 56, verse 2. Blessed is the man that keepeth the Sabbath, from polluting it and keepeth his hand from doing any evil. I, I quoted part of the verse there. But that is so true. Blessed is the man that keepeth his hand from doing any evil. But before that it says that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it. Here's another good verse in Isaiah chapter 58 verse 13 and 14. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it, end quote. That's in Isaiah chapter 58. So I just want to encourage you to keep the Sabbath, keep the Christian Sabbath, and, and to keep it on that day that the early church kept it. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening.